Well, hey, it's good to see you. Welcome back, Pastor Ryan. Hope you had a good Christmas uh, on the West Coast. But it's good to see each of you. We're so glad that you have chosen to be at Faith Church today. So I have a question. When do the Christmas decorations get packed away at your home? When do the Christmas decorations get packed away at your home? On our way back from Marion the other day, I asked Cheryl, so when is the tree coming down? It's, it's been something of a lively debate in our home for years, ever since I've discovered the wonder of the church calendar and Advent and Christmas. Because everyone knows, right? that the season of Christmas actually begins on Christmas Day. It is not the crescendo, it is the beginning. The beginning of the Christmas season that continues through Epiphany, which is January 6th, that's what the 12 days of Christmas is all about. You start singing the 12 days of Christmas on Christmas Day and continue for 12 days. Funny, isn't it? Isn't it funny how quickly we are ready to move on, always in our lives, to the next thing? Pack it away, that season's come and gone, especially Christmas. The pretty wrapping paper is discarded, the rush to return gifts begins, and as one writer said, the stockings hang lifeless from the mantle. The stockings hang lifeless from the mantle, empty of all contents. Leftovers are all that's left of the fabulous feasting that has been going on. Wallets are empty and feelings of buyer's remorse begin to descend and suffocate. That never happens to anyone. On the morning after Christmas, thus begins the season of the letdown. I don't see any reason to move on. If it were up to me, I would be like my friends in South Dakota who leave their Christmas decorations on their house all year. Their lights are on all year because it could snow in July. And I'd like to let it linger. Bask. Enjoy. Well, my name uh, is Bob, and I'm one of the pastors here at Faith, and I've said this before, I'm so glad to see you. I am the old man who is boring that Joseph <laughs> referred to last week. <laughs> I, love I love you too, Joseph. I love you too. I told him it wasn't the old part that bothered me so much, it was the boring. <laughs> but this morning we, we close out the Songs of Advent series with Simeon and Anna's duet. The stage is set in Luke chapter 2. The stage is set for those with eyes to see. The baby Jesus is about six weeks old. We know this because, because according to the ritual law described in Leviticus 12, Mary was required to present herself for purification 40 days 
40 days after giving birth. And the firstborn son was to be dedicated, consecrated to God. So the Holy Family makes the trip to Jerusalem. And once at the temple, Mary and Joseph meet Simeon. They meet Simeon, a man who knew he would not die until he had seen the consolation of Israel. God had given him that promise. Pick up the story, Luke chapter 2, verse 22. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him, Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now there's an interesting thing, right? That Mary and Joseph are presenting God to God. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, consecrated, set apart. And they were to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons because they were poor. This was their sacrifice. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. In other words, waiting for the Messiah, waiting for the anointed one, waiting for the Christ. He's waiting. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the Christ child to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, Simeon, took him up, the baby Jesus, in his arms, and blessed God and said, listen to these words, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him, and Simeon blessed him and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. Just as Jesus divides history, he divides people. And for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, Mary, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And as if on cue, a prophetess appears. Eighty-four years old and going strong, Anna served daily in the temple, fasting and praying. It's such an incredible moment. Such an incredible moment as Luke reveals the activity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The, the Trinity is on display. The promise of the Father, the prompting of the Spirit, the revelation of the Son. To me, this is one of the wonders of the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit working together, conspiring together. How they plan to sustain us as we wait for God's revelation for his plan to come about. So here in Luke, we have Simeon fully expecting to see the Christ. 
the redemption, the salvation of Israel. When he is stirred by the Spirit of God to get to the temple, and he immediately sees the one he has been expecting because I am sure the familiar nudge of the Spirit directed him right to the Holy Family. I was rereading my sermon this morning, and I just had this, Jane, I had this smile come across my face. And I was thinking not so much of Simeon and Anna in this moment, but the face of God. And do you know how when, you, when you've searched at Christmas time or birthday and you, you've, you've found the, what you think is the perfect gift and you meticulously wrap it, maybe it's a, some concert tickets or something, I don't know. But you, you wait with anticipation and you think there's a smile that comes across your face as the person is about to open the gift and you can't wait. And you're, you're almost as, as excited about the gift as this, I think, is the heart of God in this moment. He knows what Simeon and Anna are about to see. And can you, can you feel his heart swell, God the Father's heart swell, and, and the, the smile of God? Oh, the goodness and the love and the mercy of God is on full display here. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, holding this What a moment. What a moment. And oftentimes, we read right through this passage of Scripture, and we don't even behold the goodness of God or the surprise of God or the love of the Father in this moment. We're thinking about Simeon and Anna and their devotion and their righteousness, and what can we learn from that? But learn something about the heart of God here. We've said it before. God wants you to see him. God wants you to know his love for you. God wants you to know that, that he has been thinking about you for all eternity. That Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity, have been conspiring together concerning you personally. Thinking about you in this moment, in this time, in your life. Oh, the wonder of that. I have the full attention of the eternally existing Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Does that make your heart just swell this morning? God loves you. God sees you. God has been planning for you for a very long time. And oh, that nudge of the Holy Spirit that Simeon received, he recognized it. It wasn't the pizza that he had last night for supper. It was the nudge of the Holy Spirit. It was the prompting of the Spirit. He'd come to know it. He'd come to learn. Are you familiar with that nudge? Do you recognize it when it comes well I've got to move on but wow 
Maybe linger over this this afternoon in your quiet time. You have the full attention of God. Hmm. Well, like I said, it's an incredible moment. Two faithful servants of God experiencing a rich reward for years of dedication and expectancy. I can almost hear Simeon saying to Anna, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. Do your kids ever say that when they open Christmas presents? I knew it, I get this, this is exactly what I wanted. Yeah. You do too. I don't think we ever lose that. And here in this moment, Simeon looks at Anna and says, I knew it. I knew he would come. God would never, ever let us down. Ever. Ever. Write it down. Ever. God will never, ever let you down. You can hear it in the majestic words as Simeon's eyes gaze upon the Christ child, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised. You now dismiss your servant in peace. My eyes have beheld the promise. I knew. I knew it. I knew I would see this. Whenever I read this passage, I picture Simeon and Anna standing on their tiptoes, at least in their hearts, peering over the horizon because they know any moment now, any moment now, this could be the day, any moment now. We believe that, don't we? Any moment now. We talk about the last days a lot. We like to study. I like to know this, 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 oh, and then. But, but ever since this advent of Jesus, ever since this advent of Jesus, the first one, people of faith have been waiting, waiting with expectancy. He is coming again. An old Swedish friend in Bristol, South Dakota, I'll see if I can say it. His name was uh, Vern Franson, a Gideon, and, and uh, he, he had macular degeneration he couldn't see, and sadly I learned that after I had ridden in a vehicle with him several times. <laughs> Talk about faith. My friend Vern would always say to me, Hunska kuma iyan. Every time we would pass, and he would say, you know what that means, Pastor Bob? And I'd say, I have no idea. Speaking in tongues again, Vern. He is coming again. I, I couldn't see Vern for coffee without him saying that to me. He is coming again. I fully expect to see him with my own eyes. So here are Simeon and Anna on their tiptoes, or to use last week's metaphor, they had their hand on the doorknob waiting. They were going to be ready. Expectancy. Defined as the state of thinking or hoping that something, especially something pleasant, will happen or be the case. 
expectancy. It's, it's one of the hallmark characteristics of faith, isn't it? Expectancy requires faith and hope. Expectancy, an open mind, an open heart. In this way, perhaps expectancy differs from expectation. At least for me. Because for me, expectation sets a predetermined concept of how things should happen. For example, many in Israel expected a Messiah that would lead a military overthrow. He would come in and get rid of those Romans and restore Israel to glory. Not a baby from poor parents out of Nazareth. Or can anything good come out of Nazareth? And you know how easy that happens. We offer up a prayer request to God. God, I have this need. And we seek God's intervention and his action on our behalf. And then we develop this expectation of just how God should answer that. <laughs> right? Or am I the only one in the room that does that? Here's what I need, God. It needs to be purple. But expectancy leaves the how to God and is open to possibilities. Flexible faith, not to be confused with wishy-washy faith, but flexible faith. Flexible faith oozes expectancy and resilience. This is the hard part, I think, at least for me it is. I have so many examples from my life when I have been long on expectations and short on expectancy. And God must know this about us, don't you think? I, I think that's why he leads Luke to include this encounter with Simeon and Anna in his gospel. We can learn so much from the lives of people like Simeon and Anna. I wonder, as I read this, I wonder which Old Testament characters inspired Simeon and Anna. I wonder who they look to. I set a goal in 2019 to read 24 books. Sure, I'm not going to buy all new ones. Some of them will be off my shelf. People ask me about my bookshelf. They say, Pastor, have you read all those books? And I said, some of them twice. Think about it, you'll get it. 24 books, at least four of them to be biographies, starting with Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And the Bible is full of biographies, collective biographies of ordinary, average women and men whose lives were used to accomplish God's purposes. John Piper writes, the lives of our flawed Christian heroes are inspiring for two reasons. Because they were flawed, like us. 
and because they were great, unlike us. Their flaws, their flaws give us hope that maybe God could use us too. Their greatness inspires us to venture beyond the ordinary. Simeon and Anna, ordinary people who trusted God, whose lives point to the greatness of God, and whose lives inspire us to dare to risk much for the kingdom of God. Luke describes Simeon as righteous and devout. The Greek word paints a a picture of a respected elder. Consistent. Consistent life of faith and service. Anna, her, her name means gracious. She makes me think of a lady in one of the churches I served. That lady's name is Jeannie Furk. She was also a widow, and she had recently lost her best friend. And one day she came to me and she said, Pastor, there isn't much I can do at my age, but would it be okay? Would it be okay if I just came in the church each week and prayed? that be all right? And from that point, she seldom missed a Thursday. She slipped in and out, unnoticed by staff. More than once, I was in the worship center straightening up and tinkering around, and I would see her. Sometimes it startled me because the lights were off or it was dimly lit, and there'd be... But she would move. She's starting to back. And she would move from seat to seat. She would sit down and she would pray. Take her several weeks to get through the entire. But she would pray for the people that would quite possibly be sitting in that place this coming Sunday. And I am sure her prayers moved more hearts than we can ever know as she spent time with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So Anna, 84 years old, and perhaps one of the more overlooked heroines of the salvation story God is unfolding, fasting and praying every day in the temple. And her prayers for Israel are still coming before the Lord. Just a couple of seasoned saints. They had no idea their story would be told still in 2018. No idea. They were just responding to God and following him as best they could. And if you... Don't remember anything else I say today. Remember this. It's such a simple but profound truth. God never wastes a consecrated life. God never, ever wastes a consecrated life. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Miriam, Rahab, Ruth, Deborah, the unnamed Canaanite woman in Matthew 15, Peter, Paul, and all the others, flawed, 
ordinary people with the scars of life and faith in God whose lives tell a story of the greatness, not of themselves, but of God. Maybe through remembering the lives Spirit of God is moving you to a greater depth of faith and trust right now. So let me ask you, what biblical characters inspire you? Maybe a more important question. Whose life will your life inspire? Whose life will your life inspire? I always marvel at this. 2 Kings chapter 13. Maybe you know the story. But marauders are making their way through the countryside and a, and a man was being buried. There was a funeral going on. His friends were carrying him to bury him and, and they saw the, the, the marauders coming. And they panicked and they just took their friend and threw him in a, the nearest hole they could find, a cave as it were. turned out to be the grave of Elisha. Remember this? And as the man's body rolled into the hole, his body touched the bones of Elisha. And the man revived and stood to his feet. I read that and I think, that's the kind of life, that's the kind of legacy And I want to leave. That even after I have been dismissed in peace by the Lord, that the legacy of my faith inspires others to trust in God and still reaches. That's Simeon and Anna. Their life still inspires us today. The most important message of all, though, and I close with this. The most important message of all that we need to carry with us from this day forward. In the end, the words of Simeon and the testimony of Anna reveal a singular message. This baby is the promised one. And in him, all of the promises of God are fulfilled. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs. Jesus confirms all of the promises. And in 2 Corinthians, for all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes, and through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. What promises? Reconciliation with God. While we were yet sinners, while we were yet enemies of God, somehow, Paul says, Jesus died to make reconciliation with God possible. Or reconcile you. Forgiveness. Jesus 
Call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. Daily forgiveness. We have an advocate with the Father. His name is Jesus. When we do sin, he is there pleading our case. Presence. Virgin will be with child, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Ever and always. A constant helper, the writer to the Hebrews says, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. He's right here helping me every step of the way. I remember when I used to run. If you could imagine this. <laughs> Picture it. Use your holy imagination. Half marathons, 30K through the mountains of Wyoming. And I had this simple prayer, God, I'll pick them up, you put them down. And after a while, I reversed that. I said, how about God, you pick them up and I'll put them down. <laughs> but my helper, all along the way, my strength, Habakkuk said, remember, he said, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deers. I go on to the heights. And the apostle Paul said, the Lord gave him these very words that when his strength was gone, God's strength would be perfected. Provision, the Lord is my shepherd. Bible scholars, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What does he promise? By streams of living water. Restoration of our soul. Green pastures to lie down in. Leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Comfort. Second Corinthians, he is the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our tribulation. Always. Peace. Peace that guards our hearts and minds. Isaiah said it this way. He will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is fixed, is stayed on him. I love, I love what uh, Tim Keller prayed. He, he, he wrote this prayer. I worry because I forget your wisdom. I resent because I forget your mercy. I I covet because I forget your beauty. I sin because I forget your holiness. I fear because I forget your sovereignty. You always remember me. Help me to remember you. Romans 8. What will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? Read it. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. God's got us. We have the assurance of God's love. And in Jesus, we have the guarantee of inheritance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us new birth. New birth and a living hope. By Jesus' resurrection from the dead, 
He has guaranteed us an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Kept in heaven for you. All of the promises of God. Yes and amen in this baby that Simeon held and Anna prophesied over. That's good news today, isn't it? That's good news. The incarnation, all of history divided by this moment. God's promise fulfilled. Mary's life will never be the same. And neither is yours. Once you see with eyes of faith the salvation of the Lord revealed in Jesus Christ, your life will never be the same. I don't know what 2019 holds for you. I don't. But I do know this. I do know this. If you will follow Simeon and Anna's example, trust in Jesus today. Put the full weight of your hope in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin and salvation to eternal life. And if you will commit your ways to him, God will fulfill his purposes in your life and keep his eternal promises to you. You can bank on it. Now and forever and for all who long for his appearing. Amen, church? Why don't you stand with me? Kind of hate to see uh, the decorations come down and the candles put away. I'm just sentimental like that. But may this light remind you that the eternal light has come. And the eternal light dwells within you. Shine in the darkness to keep you and preserve you for all eternity. Amen. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name we have come. And uh, we believe we've heard a, a good word, a timeless truth from Scripture. You always keep your promises. Always. So help us as we leave this place to have this truth echoing, reverberating in our hearts. Fill us with great hope. Encourage us with peace. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, now, may the love of the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and the peace of Jesus be with you now and always.